Welcome to the Riverview Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Today we welcome back our Senior Minister, Tim Healy. But before we get into that, please take a second to subscribe to our podcast. Here's today's message from Tim Healy. Hey, well, it's my great pleasure and an absolute privilege to uh, welcome to the stage a great man, our pastor, and uh, he has an amazing word to share with us tonight, and I'm sure that you'll join with me in making him feel welcome tonight. Pastor Tim Healy, come on. Hey, hey. Good evening, Riverview family. Thank you, thank you, thank you very much. Hey, why don't you stay standing and just join me for a moment as we pray. Father, tonight we want to say how incredibly grateful we are to be able to gather like this again tonight and to bring our voices and our hearts together in unity and bring honour and worship and glory to You. And Father, tonight we are absolutely united in our conviction that it is You and You alone who deserves the highest praise because You, God, are the giver of every good and perfect gift. It is You and You alone who has made this possible. It is You and You alone who is wonderful and beautiful and powerful and You deserve the honour and the glory in the praise. And so God, right now, we want to gather up all the love and appreciation that we feel in our hearts tonight for one another and for the season that we have had together. And we just simply want to channel it all in your direction to say that God, you and you alone are worthy of the highest praise. And we are so grateful for you and all that you have done and all that you will continue to do in our lives and in our church. And in Jesus' name, everyone who agreed said, Amen. 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 Fantastic. God bless you. Go ahead and grab a seat. Well, I got a question for you tonight, and uh, I would love you to indicate your answer to this question by a show of hands. And bear in mind, we are in church tonight, so you can't lie. You have to be honest. Remember what happened to Ananias and Sapphira when they lied in church? (laughs) Not good, right? All right, so you've got to be honest. Okay, so by show of hands, how many of you have gained weight this year. Like you put on a few extra COVID kilos. Oh my goodness. Keep your hand up for a moment. Keep your hand up. Have a look around. Right? Be encouraged. You are not alone. Right? We're all in this together. Truth of the matter is I'm in the same boat. Believe it or not, I picked up 10 kilograms this year. Yeah, I am 10 kilograms heavier now than I was at the beginning of the year. And I know that some of you are, are, are thinking right now, where? Like, where did you pull on 10 kilograms, right? But I promise you, even with these chicken legs of mine, there is an extra 10 kilograms floating around here somewhere, okay? And uh, it's, not, it's not 10 good kilograms, right? It's not 10 kilograms of lean muscle. It's 10 kilograms of KFC <laughs> and Hungry Jacks, right? And uh, Little Caesars and uh, Frank's Texas Barbecue Smokehouse, right? So it's not good. Well, how about, how about this? How many of you had the opposite experience? You set out to lose weight this year and you are actually leaner and lighter now than you were at the beginning of the year. Put up your hand, let me see it. Nice and high, come on, yes, yes, yes. Ryan Gagler, why isn't your head up? Yeah, come on, put your hands together and show your admiration for these highly annoying people. Andy, you were so annoying. <laughs> but well done, that's brilliant. You know, I, I met a guy up at our Joondalup campus about three or four weeks ago. He was visiting with a friend and he was telling me that this year he's lost 46 kilograms. 
He showed me the before and after photos. Incredible, right? What an astonishing achievement. So well done if you managed to do that. All right, how about this one? And uh, this might be a little more painful to acknowledge, but how many of you have lost money this year? Like you are, you are <laughs> that was an enthusiastic hand raise. Like you are worse off financially now than you were at the beginning of the year. Let me see your hand come up, up nice and high. Maybe your super got smashed by the crash in March or maybe you bought the wrong shares, trusted the wrong broker. Right? Maybe blew a bundle on a bad habit. How many of you lost money? Put your hand up, own it, feel it. All right, I'm with you. I'm in that category too. I lost the bundle this year and uh, I, I gained weight and I lost money. That's like the worst possible combo, right? I mean, what kind of year is this? All right, well, how about, how about uh, the opposite? How many of you actually have gained financially this year? As in, are you better off financially now than you were at the beginning of the year? Come on, there's no shame in success. Put up your hand nice and high. Keep it up for a moment. Wow, all right, I just want to... I just want to get a good look at who you are, right? Keep it up, keep it up, keep it up. Very good. Just make sure you grab a giving envelope on the way out before you leave tonight. <laughs> Share some of that blessing with your spiritual family, okay? That's brilliant. You know, I was reading the other day that the top 500 wealthiest people in the world increased their collective net worth by $813 billion in the last 10 months. Staggering, isn't it? Right? Rich just keep getting richer, man, and the poor just keep getting poorer. But losses and gains, losses and gains, there are, there are so many of them. Life is made up of losses and gains. And depending on the nature and the extent of those losses and gains, they can either leave us feeling glad, sad, mad, or bad. But generally speaking, it's the losses that hurt the most, right? And I think that reality has been brought home to all of us in a really profound and, and really pronounced way this year. I know certainly for me, this year, if anything, has been a year of significant loss. You know, at the beginning of this year in January, I, I went through a period where I really felt like I had lost my strength. And I'd lost an aspect of my physical and mental and emotional well-being. There were days when I, I felt like I was losing my mind. Days when I felt like I had lost hope. Days when I felt like I had lost the will to carry on with this ministry thing. And then COVID hit. And then all of a sudden, we were all facing significant losses. Losses of some of the fundamental freedoms that we've come to enjoy and appreciate. Things like the freedom to move around and the freedom to have a meal at a restaurant and the freedom to travel and the freedom to hug and the, the freedom to cough on strangers in public <laughs> and to spit on people in the front row while you're preaching. <laughs> some of these freedoms that we've come to appreciate. And maybe during that season, you lost your job. Or maybe your business lost some clients, or maybe you lost some opportunity and lost some income. Or maybe you, like me, during that period, lost a loved one. Many of you would know by now that in the middle of this year, I lost my dad to a battle with cancer. And because we were all locked up and couldn't travel, we couldn't even get back to our family in South Africa to spend time with him, to honor his life and celebrate his life. We lost the opportunity to mark the moment with them. And that loss is incredibly painful. It's heartbreaking and, and, and the feeling of that loss lingers for a while. Last Sunday would have been his 75th birthday. And, and we had no idea when we saw him for the last time in January of this year that we would never see him again. And man, that loss hurts. And so maybe you've experienced a loss like that as well. You know, um, right now, as a faith community, we're going through something of an experience of loss together. 
because I feel like I'm losing you and, and you feel like you're losing me. And that kind of sucks, right? But that is the reality of life. Right? Life is filled with the inevitable and unavoidable experience of loss. And so sometimes in life we lose friends, sometimes we lose family members, we lose loved ones, we might lose jobs or income or clients or opportunities, uh, we might lose you know, abilities, our physical capacities, you might lose your ability to see clearly or lose your ability to hear or God forbid lose your ability to control your own bladder or your bowel, uh, you might be losing your hair. You might, you might lose hope, you might lose faith, you might feel like you're losing your way or losing your sanity. There are just so many ways in which we can and do experience the inevitable and unavoidable losses of life. And sometimes those losses can be just mildly inconvenient, like when you lose your keys or you lose your wallet or you lose your phone. And sometimes those losses can be profoundly painful and deeply sorrowful. And the effect of that loss lingers for a very long time. And I'm pretty sure that every single one of us sitting in the room right now and every single one of us listening online knows all too well what it is like to experience significant loss like that. Now, you know, that said, over the years I've come to uh, realize some things about the nature of loss, particularly as those losses relate to our faith in God and our relationship with God. And uh, I come to discover that sometimes... God restores what was lost. Sometimes God restores what was lost. And this is what I love about our God. The fact that He is able to do this. The fact that we serve a sovereign, supreme, supernatural, miracle-working, way-maker God for whom nothing is impossible. And because we serve a God like that, He is able to restore what was lost. We see it all over the pages of Scripture and very often we get to experience it in our own lives, in our own faith journeys. It is fundamentally in the nature of God to restore lost things. I mean, when Jesus was here on earth teaching and preaching and ministering. He loved to talk about lost things and their restoration. He spoke about lost coins and lost sheep and lost sons. And, and he said, hey, you know, the reason I came was to seek and save that which was lost. I've come to take humanity by the hand and lead humanity back into a right and restored relationship with God, which was lost through our rebellion against God. And I love the fact that when Jesus talks about human beings as far from God and disconnected from God, He refers to us as lost. Not lost in the sense that God doesn't know where we are, like He doesn't know where to find us. No, He's got His eye on us all the time, but lost in the sense that we don't know where we are. We're unaware of the fact that we're disconnected from this loving Heavenly Father who wants nothing else but to be in relationship with us. And so Jesus said, I have come to restore the lost. I have come to bring human beings back into a vital living relationship with God. So he loves to restore what was lost. And of course, the ultimate demonstration of God's ability to restore what was lost was so powerfully and wonderfully displayed in the resurrection of his son, Jesus. Right When Jesus lost his life, to the powers and the forces and the principalities and the rulers of this dark world. And when his disciples had lost all hope and had given up and had assumed that this was done and dusted, this was over, there was nothing more that could be done. God the Father said, hold on a second, step aside, hold my beer, watch this. And he stepped into the situation and by the power of the Holy Spirit, he raised Jesus from the dead and he restored him back to life because God loves to restore lost things. And we see Jesus doing this throughout His ministry when He restored the uh, centurion's daughter back to her father. 
And we see him restoring Lazarus back to Mary and Martha. And we see the prophets of the Old Testament, you know, restoring sons to their, their mothers, right? And, and the ability of God to restore lost things is not reserved for the dramatic and the spectacular, like raising people from the dead. God also cares about the seemingly mundane and ordinary losses of everyday life that you and I sometimes experience. Right over in 2 Kings chapter 6, there's a brilliant little story about a group of Israelite men. And one day they're chopping down trees next to the banks of the Jordan River. And while one of them is swinging his axe, he swings so hard that the axe head goes flying off and lands in the river. And of course, it sinks right to the bottom like a stone. And so they're standing around trying to figure out what to do. And Elisha, the prophet of God, is nearby. And so he comes over to the commotion and he says, what's going on? And they say, well, the axe head fell in the river. He says, well, show me where. And they point to the spot where it fell in. And the Bible says he picks up a piece of wood and he throws it into the river and the axe head floats to the surface. And he picks it up and he gives it to them. He says, there you go, carry on, right? I love that, man, right? God cares about all those seemingly mundane and insignificant losses that we often experience in life. And I remember a number of years ago, I was, um, I was looking one day for my South African passport. Right? I, I had lost my passport. I have three. I have an Australian, a South African, and an Irish. And, um, and, and the kids have two each, and Liesl has two each. So we got this big pile of passports, right? And I, I keep them in this travel pouch in the top drawer. And uh, I'm always so diligent about putting them back in the right place, in the same place, so I, I don't lose them. And uh, one day, I, I needed it, so I went in, opened up my travel pouch, and my South African passport was gone. And I had no idea what I had done with it. I was absolutely flummoxed. I couldn't figure out where it was. I searched high and low for like two days, couldn't find it anywhere. And, and I thought to myself eventually, maybe someone stole it. But then I thought, who would want to steal my South African passport, right? I could not figure it out. And so in frustration, after about two days, I sat down and I prayed and I said, God, please, I do not want to go through the ordeal. And believe me, it is an ordeal, right? To apply for a passport from South Africa. I do not want to go through the ordeal of having to apply for another passport so, so please help me find this thing. And as I prayed, I had this vision, this picture of this old man standing behind the counter of the post office in Vic Park in Albany Highway. I'm thinking, why am I seeing this guy, right? And then suddenly I had this lights on moment, this moment of realization that a couple of weeks earlier, I was in Vic Park and I was in the post office doing something else and I had my travel bag with me and I thought, maybe I left it there. Maybe I lost it there. So I jumped in the car and I drove all the way down to Vic Park to the post office in Albany Highway and I walked in and there was the little old man standing behind the counter that I'd seen in the vision. And I walked up to him and when he saw me coming, he said, I think I know why you're here. I said, I am so glad to hear that. And he smiled and he opened up the drawer and he took out the passport and he handed it back. And my passport was restored, eh? Isn't that amazing? So evidently I dropped it somewhere. Someone had picked it up and just handed it in. Right, God loves to restore lost things. But not always. But not always. And so I've discovered that sometimes when God doesn't restore what was lost, He replaces what was lost. Right? Sometimes God replaces what was lost. And by that I mean God substitutes what was lost with something else. Uh, back in May of this year, when I returned to uh, preaching and teaching here after my break at the beginning of the year, uh, even though we were only doing church online, a number of you, in fact, a surprising number of you, noticed and commented on the fact that I'm wearing a wedding ring again. Now, those of you who know me well and are, and are observant will have known that, that for years I didn't wear a wedding ring. 
Uh, not because I don't want to be married, or because I don't love my wife, or because I, I, I don't want other people to know I'm married. Right? <laughs> I do to all of those three things. Um, I didn't wear a wedding ring because I, I just felt it uncomfortable, and so I would take it off all the time. And then, you know, eventually, as one would expect, I lost it. Right? So I've actually lost two. This is number three. All right? I lost the original, got a replacement, and this is the replacement of the replacement. All right? and, uh, and so, uh, believe it or not, uh, a, a week ago, I lost this one too. I, I kid you not. Right? I don't know what it is with me and lost things. Right? I lose things all the time. So I reckon if my life was a reality TV show, it would be called... The biggest loser. All right. So I lost my, my ring and I, I normally put it on the bedside table with my wristband next to the bed and I always put it in the same place because I know if I don't put it there and I lose it, um, you know, there's going to be trouble. And so I got up on Friday morning and I was showering and I was getting ready, walked over to the bed, bedside table and the wristband was there, but the ring wasn't. And I'm like, where on earth is my ring? What, 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 what have I done with it, right? And I looked under the bed, I looked behind the bedside table, I searched high and low, all my pockets, jackets, pants, checked all my bags, and I could not find my ring for three days. For three days, I searched high and low. And of course, I, I couldn't tell Liesl, because you know, three strikes and you're out, right? So <laughs> I figured I can't even like enlist her help, right, in the search. And so for three days, I hunted high and low, and I could not find it. And then eventually on Monday morning, I was looking in my bag for something else, and lo and behold, there deep in the recesses of some little side pocket right in the bottom corner was my ring. And my ring was restored, right? And I was like, oh, my precious. All right, you know what I mean? And I was so relieved that the ring was restored because it meant it didn't need to be replaced, right? And so sometimes lost things can be restored, and sometimes lost things need to be replaced. And so sometimes God replaces lost things in our lives. We see this playing out so beautifully in the life of Job, that wonderful Old Testament saint. And uh, many of you will remember the story. Ryan preached on it recently. Such a brilliant, outstanding message on the story of Job. And in that somewhat unusual and, and mysterious story of Job, we see right at the very beginning, Job loses everything. Like he loses all his wealth, all his possessions, all his livestock, all his children in a matter of days. I mean, talk about loss. Can you imagine the grief and the pain and the sorrow and the confusion? And yet by the end of the story, the Bible says God has replaced everything Job has lost. He's given him new livestock, new camels, new donkeys, new goats. Now, now God didn't restore them to Job in the sense that he didn't resurrect the donkeys and the camels and the cows from the dead and restore them to Job. He gave him new camels and new donkeys and new cows. And God gave him new wealth and new possessions and God gave him new children. And I'm pretty sure that Job would have felt the pain and the longing in his heart for those original children he lost. But at the same time, being the loving father that he was, I'm fully convinced that he would have felt so grateful for the children that God had given him in the process of replacing what was lost. And you know, the Bible says that, that God gave Job double what he had lost. I find that amazing. Double the wealth, double the favor, double the providence, double the livestock, double the kids. It's wonderful. And, and I, don't, I don't believe necessarily that every replacement is meant to be an equivalent or even an improvement. But I reckon because God is so kind and faithful and gracious and good, very often in His providence, God does make the replacement an improvement, right? I was chatting to a lady here at church the other day and uh, she had lost her husband. Uh, first to divorce and, and then to disease. And uh, they had separated uh, many years ago. 
and uh, she had subsequently remarried, but he had died recently, also as a result of a battle with cancer. And so she was telling me this, and, and I wanted to console her, so I, I just said, well, I'm really sorry to hear about your loss, and I'm, I'm going to be praying for you and, and just trusting God to, to comfort you. And she said, oh, no, she said, uh, look, I, I don't say this widely, and I don't say it to everyone, but, and she grabbed me by the arm, and she pulled me, and she said, uh, I got an upgrade. Right? <laughs> 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 Evidently, your first husband was not a particularly nice man, but the second one that came along was like, yeah, right? That was great. So turn to your spouse right now and say, don't you even think about trying to upgrade me, all right? I am the best you qualify for right now. <laughs> right. My wife said to me the other day, uh, when, uh, when you turn 50, I'm going to trade you in for two 25-year-olds. Uh, yeah, you go, girl. <laughs> so sometimes... God replaces what was lost. And I say sometimes because whether God chooses to restore or replace that which was lost is something that sits within the sovereign will of God. It's one of those great mysteries of the life of faith. And we don't know why God chooses to restore or to replace, but we trust that He knows best. And I've come to discover that sometimes when God chooses not to restore, and chooses not to replace, he nevertheless redeems what was lost. Sometimes God simply redeems what was lost. And by that I mean, God takes the loss and he weaves it into the fabric of his plan and his purpose and his will for our lives in that beautiful, masterful way that only he can do. And he uses that loss for his glory and for our good. And nowhere is that redemptive power of God to, to redeem our losses more beautifully described and articulated than in the words of the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter three. And before we read them together, in, in Philippians chapter three, Paul takes a moment to say to the Philippian believers, hey, listen, if there's anyone out there who can boast in their accomplishments and their achievements, it's me. He says, I was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. I was a Pharisee. I was qualified and, and, and I had credibility and I had status and I had position and I was zealous for my faith to the point that I persecuted the church and I was blameless and faultless and righteous in regard to the law. I, I had opportunity and I had, I had position and I had credibility that everything a young Jewish leader would want in his day and time. And yet he goes on to say in Philippians chapter three, reading from verse seven to eight, he says these words. But whatever were gains, to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. And I read that and I thought to myself, I love that, right? Paul's saying, hey, all that stuff that I used to think was gain has actually become lost to me and everything I thought was lost actually turned out to be gain because in all my losses, I have gained Christ. And I read that and I thought to myself, what if, what if every loss in life was an opportunity to gain Christ? What if every loss in life, regardless of the nature or the extent of that loss, was an opportunity to gain Christ, to gain a fresh revelation of Christ, to gain a fresh experience of Christ, to gain a fresh impartation from Christ, and to gain a new level of intimacy with Christ and dependency on Christ? Can you imagine how different life would be? 
And can you imagine how different our experience of our losses would be if we understood what Paul understood here? And that is simply that every loss in life is an opportunity to gain Christ. Because you see, Paul understood that in the light of eternity and in the context of the divine economy, all our gains and all our losses get reevaluated and recalibrated and reassessed and repurposed. All our losses and all our gains. Jesus said it so beautifully in Matthew chapter 16, verse 26. He said, what good will it be to someone to gain the whole world but lose their soul? In other words, what does it profit you if you gain all the comfort and all the wealth and all the luxury and all the opportunity that this world has to offer, but in the end you lose your soul? because you never knew what it was to experience a right and restored relationship with God. All of that apparent gain would be pointless and meaningless if in the end you ultimately lose your soul, right? Eternity casts a very different light on our losses and our gains. The the wisdom writer in Proverbs 1 and uh, verse 20, verse 19 said, uh, such are the paths of all who go after ill-gotten gain. It takes away the life of those who get it. In other words, he's saying if you gain in this life, if you gain wealth or, or prestige or opportunity or favor or position, but you do it in an illegitimate, illegal or immoral way, ultimately it just leads to death. It robs you of life. It tears away at the fabric of your soul. In other words, not all our gains are truly gains and not all our losses are truly losses. Because all our gains and all our losses in life are reevaluated and recalibrated and reassessed and reframed in the light of eternity and in the divine economy. And Paul understood this so well that when he got to the end of his life in Philippians 1 verse 21, as a, as a 60-something-year-old man sitting in prison awaiting his execution, he said these words, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Wow. Right, Even for for Paul, the the most um, ultimate of all losses, the loss of his own life was nevertheless still a gain because Paul understood that in losing his life and experiencing death, he would ultimately gain an eternal entrance into the kingdom of God. He would gain the gift of eternal life. He would gain the culmination and the realisation of his salvation. And you know the only reason Paul could say to die is gain? is because he could first say, to live is Christ. You can't say to die is gain unless you can first say to live is Christ. In fact, if you cannot say to live is Christ, then to die is the most terrible and tragic of losses. But for Paul, to live was to know Jesus. To live was to love Jesus, to serve Jesus, to honour Jesus, to follow Jesus. And because Paul was moved and motivated and fueled and inspired by the desire to know and love and serve and follow Jesus at the end of his life, he could say to die is gain. Now friends, I hope and I trust and I pray that when the day comes for each and every one of us in this room and for every single one of us listening online, to cross from this life into the next, When our time comes to step through that door from time into eternity and to cross the threshold of death, I hope and trust and pray that every single one of us here will be able to say like Paul did, for me to die is gain. Because for me to live was Christ. Amen. So friends, not every loss can be restored and not every loss can be replaced. 
but every single loss can be redeemed. And I don't know what level of loss you have had to endure in this life. I don't know what level of loss life has thrown at you in this crazy, unusual year called 2020. (laughs) But I do know this. Our God is able to restore what was lost. He is able to replace what was lost. And He is able to redeem what was lost. And because of that truth, every single loss, no matter the nature or the extent of that loss, is an opportunity to gain Christ, to gain a fresh revelation of Christ, a fresh encounter with Christ, a fresh impartation from Christ, and a fresh level of intimacy with Christ. Can you say amen to that tonight? Amen. Come on, let's bow our heads, let's close our eyes, and let's pray together. Father, tonight we want to thank You so much for the incredible gift of Your presence in our lives. Father, we want to thank You that You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we want to thank You that in every season, You are good and You are God. And Father, tonight I want to pray for anyone sitting here, for anyone in their living rooms or their bedrooms or their offices or wherever they might find themselves right now listening to these words. Anyone wrestling with the sorrow and the grief and the pain and the regret of a significant season of loss. Father, I pray that right now in this most holy moment, you would just by the power of your Holy Spirit presence yourself with them. And Father, I pray that you would open their eyes to see Jesus. I pray that they would sense His nearness. I pray that they would feel His love. I pray that they would see Him with fresh eyes. And I pray, God, that they would experience that supernatural peace that transcends all understanding and that unexplainable but undeniable joy that can only come from knowing Him. Father, I pray that You would cause them to rise up and out of the sorrow and out of the pain, You would bring forth beauty and You would bring forth wonder and You would bring forth something beautiful. Father, we thank You so much for Your hand on our lives. And we thank You so much for Your promise to us that You will be faithful to complete the good work that You have started in each and every one of us. And for that, we are deeply grateful tonight. And we thank You in Jesus' name. And everyone who agreed said, Amen. Amen. God bless you, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, can't get away that quick. Come on, give it up for Tim. Thanks again for joining us today. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can email us at podcast at riverviewchurch.com. And if you want any information about Riverview Church, you can find that at riverviewchurch.com.